This is BTS with CTV, behind the scenes, behind the stories we bring you from the CTV Vancouver newsroom. My name is Penny Daflos and I'll be your guide behind the curtain to an extensive investigation into the Vancouver Police Department. CTV News at 6 co-host Scott Roberts spent countless hours uncovering allegations of inappropriate relationships involving senior members of the VPD and a lower-ranking female officer. Over the course of months, he learned one sergeant was quietly disciplined, while another is still under investigation. Even more troubling, 30-year-old Constable Nicole Chan, who'd already suffered from mental health problems, recently took her own life. We'll talk with Scott in just a moment, but first, his bombshell story. When was that taken? During Christmas time this past year. This is one of the last photos taken of 30-year-old Nicole Chan, just weeks before her suicide. Spread on this table, a lifetime of memories. The trips, the playful moments, and the proud ones. It's losing a best friend, it's losing a sister that you knew that you always had each other's backs. Nicole Chan, a constable with the VPD for nine years, took her own life in January. She'd been on stress leave from the force for several months due to a battle with mental health and depression. But there was another major stressor in her life, an internal police probe involving two senior officers, both sergeants under investigation for engaging in relationships with Chan, a lower-ranking constable who eventually reported the situation to management. She didn't know where else to turn, so eventually she turned to uh, the chief. These are the officers in question. On the left, Sergeant Greg McCullough, and on the right, Sergeant David Van Patten. Both were superior officers in a position of influence. Upon learning of the alleged relationships that happened at different times, Vancouver Police launched a professional standards investigation, overseen by the Office of the Police Complaint Commissioner. But Chan's family believes the probe that had dragged on for a number of months was having a serious impact on Nicole's health. The investigation was going on for so long to a point where, you know, it affected her daily life. She just kind of lost her sense of purpose when she's worked her whole life to become an officer and become a good officer, and now she doesn't feel safe doing it. CTV News has obtained an email confirming one of the two investigations into the officers has concluded. Sergeant McCullough, who was at one point Chan's supervisor, receiving a 15-day suspension for discreditable conduct for failing to disclose to his managers a relationship with Nicole, but more seriously, for entering into a relationship with Nicole knowing she was in a vulnerable state mentally and emotionally. McCullough has since retired from the force and didn't respond to requests for comment by email and phone. The proceedings into Sergeant Van Patten are still ongoing. He declined to comment when reached by phone. The Vancouver Police Department refused an on-camera interview. In a brief statement saying this in part, we do not provide information about personnel issues, OPCC investigations, or professional standards investigations due to privacy reasons. A similar response from the OPCC in an email stating that it's bound by a duty of confidentiality, which restricts what this office can state publicly at this time. What was it like to watch your sister struggle through something like oh, this? Oh, so hard, because for me to see someone so strong be kind of like torn down to this level, it's just heartbreaking. Jen Chan may never know why her sister ended her own life. Her suicide note didn't say. What she does believe is the investigation into the actions of two fellow officers may have made an already painful life more difficult. I want justice to be served. I want the people that's heavily affected her life to basically be held accountable. And she says she's still waiting for that. Scott Roberts is here with me now. And Scott, 
whenever somebody sees something on TV, I think that they, part of the reason that we're doing this podcast in the first place is to help people understand how complicated it can be and how much work goes into it. In this case, I think people can hear not just from the length of your story, but also from all the detail there. You were working on this for a long time. Uh, it was months, was it not? So tell us kind of when you first became aware of this, how you first became aware and how long it's taken you uh, from the moment you found out to get it actually on the air. Yeah, so this first came out in, well, Nicole died in late January, and I first got a phone call not long after, a couple days after that, um, from a source in the VPD who was quite nervous to reach out, but wanted to meet up because he told me that there was a lot of people within the department that were concerned that had known that there was an investigation going on into these two officers and their alleged inappropriate relationships with Nicole. And there was a lot of chatter going on within the VPD about that. A lot of people knew it. Uh, A lot of people knew some of the detailed allegations that had been made. And so he reached out and said, look, something's not right here. Um, We feel like the public needs to know more about this. We're kind of a little bit perplexed about why this isn't a story. And we'll probably get into that uh, a little bit later, but um, basically that's where it started. He reached out, another VPD member, not long after that, uh, again, who I don't know, uh, reached out, and that sort of got the ball rolling. That's when we got in touch with uh, Nicole's family and her sister, Jen. And at that time, she was still grieving and actually planning Nicole's funeral. And so we gave them some time and gave them some space. but eventually Jen decided that she wanted to come forward with the story and she wanted to talk about this because Nicole had told her so many details that were very close. They were best friends, they were sisters along the way that she agreed that you know, something wasn't right here, that, that people need to know at least about the investigation and that some of the allegations that were made and the fact that this investigation had taken so long and it was very hard on Nicole. I think it's really brave of Jen, first of all, to to speak out about something like this, just such an intense uh, family tragedy, just a a circumstance that they're dealing with. And I'm glad you gave them the space to work on that. But these stories can be so difficult because you're hearing from a couple of different whistleblowers. You're hearing from the family. Uh, You've got rumor you've got fact, and then you've got what's actually reportable. And even if you're able to substantiate a rumor, sometimes you're not even able to uh, report what you know as fact. So tell us about some of the specific allegations and some of the, the things you know to be true that you still haven't been able to report. Because I think people may be surprised for all the level of detail that you went in, there's actually more that you've left unsaid. There's so much more um, that we wish we could tell the public. We have been told very serious allegations that we can't report because at this point we just don't know that they're true. I have been told by, I would say, eight different VPD officers a very detailed account of some of the things that are being alleged against at least one of these two officers. Unfortunately, where we stand today is that is hearsay. That is something that either Nicole told them or they heard around the office. Now, it's all the same story, so it sounds like it's true. But as journalists, we, we just that's not good enough. You know, we need to know that it's true. And so that's been a big problem for us 
when we go to the VPD and we go to the office of the police complaint commissioner and say, boy, this sure seems like it's in the public interest. Here we have a VPD officer who served for almost a decade who killed herself amidst this investigation that was going on into inappropriate relationships with two superior officers. Now, as we said in the story, we don't know why Nicole took her own life. What we do know is that her family says that this investigation was a significant stressor on her mental health, that she deteriorated the longer this investigation went on. And so we went to the VPD and asked questions. What are these specific allegations? We've heard certainly some troubling, troubling accounts of what might have been going on here. They won't tell us. We went to the OPCC and said, this seems like it's in the public interest to tell people what happened in this kind of situation. And again, they won't talk about any investigations. Now, we should point out there is a clause because they're using the Police Act to say they can't tell us anything. But there is a clause in the Police Act that says that if the commissioner deems a story or an investigation to be of public interest, then the commissioner can release details. And so we need to continue to pressure, which we will, the commissioner to give us some details about this, what the allegations were. And, um, and we'll, we'll try to do that. Because I think a lot of this comes down to, um, these are, a lot of what we're talking about here is in a gray area. These are fuzzy topics like public confidence. When allegations come forward like this, that there was a woman with mental health issues and this investigation was going on in such a way, her family's raising all sorts of issues. There's a hierarchy in a very regimented organization that we're talking about here. There are all these questions swirling and all these factors, and the, it all kind of comes together in terms of public confidence. So have you made that argument to the OPCC? Because it sounds like they do have some leeway here, and yet we're being kept in the dark right now uh, with privacy issues uh, being used as a shield to, to keep us from getting those answers. And I mean, that's a question I put to VPD as well. I mean, you would think, I would think, in a situation like this, that police may want to get out in front of this and say, in, in the spirit of confidence and transparency, give us some detail. Which, in fairness to the VPD, they're transparent and open about a lot of things that other police departments aren't. Uh, They put out crime stats and all sorts of things that they're very proactive about. Uh, So this, it actually surprised me that they have, it's clearly very serious and very sensitive, but to not respond, uh, it has been against kind of their their ethos and and their treatment of a lot of even difficult topics. I mean, we had the chief, I think it was a year ago, uh, saying that the force would change how they deal with certain um, sexual assault investigations. And that was huge to have a police chief come forward and say, we will do better and we will change how we do things. So this is is just a very different um, approach that they've taken to this issue. I mean, saying and doing are two different things because, I mean, I understand why they don't want to talk about personnel issues. I understand that. Um, they have two officers, uh, one of whom has left. You know, Greg McCullough got his 15-day suspension and retired. Fine. Uh, Sergeant Van Patten, that investigation is, is ongoing. I understand why they wouldn't want to talk about that. I asked them basic questions like, when did Nicole first talk to the police chief and come forward? We know that she went directly to Adam Palmer to tell him what happened. 
I've been told that happened in October 2017. Why won't the VPD tell me that? I mean, these I was asking questions, some of them that were just basic timeline things. When did Nicole come forward? When did she first go on stress leave? I mean, and we didn't get that. And her family wants that too, because they're a little bit fuzzy on this. I mean, Nicole told them things, um, but you know, they don't have a detailed timeline really either. So those are the kinds of things that I guess disappointed me when we went to VPD with the story. And again, in, in the spirit of confidence, in a police force and in the spirit of transparency, I expected to get those sorts of answers and we didn't. Just building off what you just said about in terms of what Nicole was telling her family as well, reporting around mental health issues is incredibly complicated. Everybody is different. Um, oftentimes uh, people who are struggling uh, aren't even open with the people closest to them. So to try to rebuild an account of what actually happened can be incredibly complex. and. I think this story just highlights how um, those issues, I can understand um, how it would have been a complicating factor, but I think that's also a reason why we shouldn't shy away from these stories because these are issues that people are struggling with on a daily basis, probably in, in your workspace, anybody in your workplace, anybody who's listening right now, there's somebody struggling. So I think it's important that we tackle an issue like this, even though there are legalities and privacy issues and all sorts of other factors that we have to look at here. I think the fact that we are addressing somebody who was in a really bad place is hugely important as well. It is. And I mean, so much more important is that, like you said, it is difficult to piece this story together. Nicole, the person with all the detail, unfortunately isn't here to tell us her story. Her sister Jen said she was actually talking about coming out and telling her story publicly before her death. Um, so, you know, that was part of the reason why Jen wanted to come forward is because I think she she felt that Nicole was getting there, ready to come forward with her own story. But so she, you know, we don't have those details from her, unfortunately, because she's not here. But I do want to say, just picking up on on the fact that we, you know, we don't have all the pieces is part of the the reason we're not sharing those allegations is in fairness to these two men that are accused. I mean, we can't sling rumor uh, and, and allegations that people are talking about in the locker rooms at VPD and splash it on our newscast and put it on our website and throw it out to hundreds of thousands of of readers and viewers. I mean, that's not responsible. So in fairness to them, we need to be careful and make, you know, we need to be absolutely sure that everything that we're reporting is true. And so we're not there yet with some of these allegations, and that's why we're not publishing them. And I think people who may not understand, well, why do we hear about misconduct from other officers and why aren't we talking, why aren't we hearing details about this in particular? Well, when something reaches the threshold of criminal conduct, um, that often comes first. We've seen cases where a criminal trial um, will go ahead on one or more charges, and then the Office of the Police Complaints Commissioner gets involved after to see if they were in breach of their duties as police officers. So if you hear details stemming from an OPCC issue that's going back and forth from appeals and this and that, that is why, because it's gone criminal first in this country. Criminal trials are, are much more open. But in this case, again, in fairness, the OPCC can investigate allegations, but until they're proven, it's really hard to put that information out there, especially in an era of social media. Unfortunately, you and I know how often do people just read the headline or people just read a tweet and they don't see the rest. So we have to also be really um, fair and really 
cognizant of that when we're reporting on something as well, because allegations are one thing. And if they haven't gotten to the point where there are criminal charges, because that's a huge threshold, if the OPCC is investigating, that doesn't mean that we can automatically have all sorts of information. In this case, what is frustrating is that there was an officer disciplined, an officer who left the force, and you were still having issues um, getting information on that. That, yeah, that, that I think is the real key thing for me, which was eye-opening, was that once an investigation is closed, it is done. If it didn't go to a public hearing for the OPCC, and the way it works is basically if the law enforcement agency that is investigating, doing the internal investigation into a police officer's misconduct, they'll come forward after their investigation's done and say, hey, uh, we think this is uh, worth... 10 days suspension. And then the OPCC, which is the civilian agency that oversees that decision, might come back and say, well, you know, we think it's a little bit worse than that. So we think it's more like 20. They may squabble back and forth for a little bit. If they kind of come together then and agree on 15 days suspension, everybody signs off, that's never made public. When the report comes out, the names are blacked out and the public never sees it. That's outrageous to me. I, I'm sorry. I just find that absolutely outrageous. And so with they, they deal with this as a internal personnel issue. Now, you know, I think you and I and other members of the public would argue that when it comes to police officers, because it's such an important job and they have such authority and they have the ability to take away people's liberty. All of these reasons that there are checks and, and balances when it comes to the authority of police officers and, and this kind of reporting is why I would argue, yeah, that, that I do think it's of public interest to know when a police officer is suspended for misconduct on the job. And yet, if you go to the OPCC right now and look at these lower-level misconduct suspensions... The names are all blacked out. There's a little bit of detail there, but the public's um, never given the the right to know what happened. And I I I, I, did, I do think that's peculiar, especially because what it ends up doing is whitewashing everything. Because then it it makes it gives the impression that there are no issues, that there has been no discipline, and everybody's fine. Well, any organization is going to have people who contravene rules. We hear about when there's a, a law society disciplinary action taken, you can find that realtors, you find that teachers. Now, you can find that there was a bit of a battle for that at one point. So how is it? And it's not just somebody who can take away your liberty, Scott. I mean, think about it. If you have a police officer show up at your house and your neighbors all see it, your family knows, there is a stigma there. So these are people who are in a position where they can put a stigma on somebody just by investigating something, whether it's warranted or not. So I don't think it's just it has to get to the point of throwing somebody uh, in custody. There's actually layers to this again. And so for them to not have the stigma as an investigation is underway, I get that. But once it's been resolved and proven and finished, there should be some transparency there because then I think, again, it, it just goes to confidence to say this happened, we've dealt with it, and you should know that we have uh, dealt with a serious situation and this was a consequence. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, I've, I've read some of these findings where, you know, an officer suspended for two days, five days for uh, maybe an, you know, an aggressive arrest or, or something like that. I mean, these aren't criminal allegations, and, and we'll, be, we'll be very clear about that. These two officers aren't facing any criminal allegations. Um, there's there been no charges laid. Uh, this is to do with misconduct uh, within the workplace. 
Um, so, I mean, it's very clear that, that these aren't criminal allegations. So I just, uh, yeah, I think, again, in the spirit of transparency, we're all, we all know that. So in a report when it's released to say A, B, C, D, these things all happen and not know who, I just I kind of shake my head a little bit with that. Aside kind of from the legalities and, and the paperwork and, and you just, you know, making a bunch of phone calls and sending emails and trying to get answers um, in, in terms of the, the disciplinary or the investigative process, this story also involved a grieving family and uh, a sister who is still trying to come to terms with and, and understand what happened here. How hard was it sitting down and doing that interview? Because I, I could tell that that it was hard. It was hard. Um it was hard because you know how close they were. You know, they spoke almost every day. And Jen's not a, um, you know, she wasn't real comfortable in, in the spotlight. And she actually had a lot of reservations about doing the interview in the first place. And even more reservation about when the story was about to air because, she, you know, she was just, am I doing the right thing? You know, is this what Nicole would want? And, you know, I said, that's, I mean, that's your decision to make, Jen, but, you know, we certainly hope it makes a difference. Um, and I think it is already making a difference. But um, hearing those words come out of her mouth, like the demand for accountability and the fact that the family still doesn't really know what happened. Again, all they know is what they've heard from, say, VPD friends of Nicole's, you know? So I think for them, it's just, can someone tell us what happened here? Can someone just describe the allegations? So Jen had a meeting with the VPD because she'd sent a letter to Chief Palmer um, just asking for those basic answers. Uh, What was alleged? They wouldn't tell her that. I mean, she had a meeting with Vancouver police officers. Like, she couldn't even get that from them. Was this before or after you did the story? This was before. This was before we did the story. She had sent a, le- a letter to Chief Adam Palmer saying, look, you showed up at my door in late January and told me my sister killed herself. And you were kind and you were caring and you helped me that night. So what she said in that letter was, I'm asking for your help again. Uh, we haven't gotten any answers from the VPD about what happened. and." I think she sent that letter in, you know, April or something. So here we are three months later. And they're sort of sitting there. This investigation, you know, is going on for well over a year. Nicole's died. And they didn't really have anything. So she sends this letter. Luckily, you know, the chief obviously did something, made some calls, because she did get a meeting. But at the meeting, they didn't tell her anything. It it was like platitudes. It was just, we can't talk about specific cases but here's generally how the internal investigation process works i don't know she felt like that was a slap in the face i think because she just even i mean as a family member i feel like she's entitled to know what's alleged against these guys not for publication or broadcast or anything but can you not tell the family what the investigation's about i mean it seems crazy to me so she was just at a loss she was at a loss And I think she didn't want Nicole's death to sort of be in vain because if she hadn't come forward, this story would never have happened. It was the only way we could ever do it. I knew that. I mean, we knew, for example, 
you know, just getting to the point where we could name the officers took months. We knew the names, but we needed a, something. To, we needed a document. We ended up getting that document, luckily, um, an email that was given to us by someone with the names in it. Um, and so finally we got to this point. I think Jen, because the interview we'd done was several months ago where we sat down and talked with Jen, um, was kind of losing faith actually a, a little bit that the story would even happen. And so we talked a lot about that in the weeks leading up and finally until the point where we were able to get this document that allowed us to, to publish the story and get it out there. So um, I know she was nervous, but she knows this is, this is going to be good overall because I'm already getting, for example, and I talked to Jen the other day, um, calls from other VPD officers who say, this is not isolated. This is happening. This happened to me. This happened. This is still happening to other people. So it's already, it's already leading to, to some reaction. Well, Scott, I, I look forward to your future stories on this. And um, I think everybody can uh, hopefully now a little bit appreciate more uh, the hard work that you've put into this and, and the many I's you've dotted and T's you've crossed to try to get everything right and to try to be fair and to try to um, be as comprehensive in your coverage of this very complicated case as you have been. Well, thanks so much for having me, Penny. And the kudos shouldn't go to me. It should definitely go to the Chan family who stepped forward and was brave uh, to tell Nicole's story. And thank you for joining us on BTS with CTV. And I hope you'll check out my colleague Binder Sudgeon's Lady at the Ledge podcast combining politics, current events, and Binder's smart and sassy take on the big issues of the week. Is there a topic you'd like me to cover on a future episode of this podcast? Email me, bts at ctv.ca, and if you like what you heard, please subscribe for more insights, tidbits, and the stories behind the stories. I'm Penny Daphos. 